0: Hey there everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine, and by now you know that I'm not a huge fan of the standard trip down to the gun range to plink a few rounds down at the paper target and boost your ego with a nice little tight shot group. Real gunfights don't happen that way, and this week our special guest reveals why and how to train for the real thing. Check this out.
1: firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. You're walking with your family when you see a threat.
0: A trio of dirtbacks moving toward you, whispering to themselves. You don't need them to announce their intentions. Know that something isn't right. You maneuver yourself in front of your wife and daughter and get ready to draw your concealed handgun. Your would-be attackers immediately stop, move to picture-perfect positions a few feet apart from each other, and stand in an open area so that you can get a good, clean shot at all of them from a perfect shooting stance as you've been taught, as you've trained over and over again. Nothing could be easier, right? Well, if you know anything about shooting in a real life-and-death scenario, you know that it never goes like that. You're never going to adopt a picture-perfect stance, do everything by the book, and be faced with attackers who are happy to cooperate position themselves cleanly and openly to you. Criminals are a lot smarter than most people give them credit for. And especially knowing that their would-be victim could be carrying a weapon, they know that the best way to achieve their goal is to catch you when you're off guard, when you're sitting in your car not paying attention, bending down, tying your shoes, putting groceries in your trunk or ambush you knockout game style to put you on the ground and destroy you, and potentially your family with you. So when everything doesn't go like it does at the square shooting range, what are you going to do? How will you get to your gun and engage the threat in order to protect your life and the lives of those you love? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. With us today to help us prepare and train for less-than-perfect combat shooting scenarios is my guest, Tim Blakely. Tim, welcome to the program.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here.
0: Oh, It's really good to have you here. I'm a big fan of your book, on, uh, and we're going to be talking about that. And this is, a, this is a great excerpt from it. I thought this was a really great um, um, topic that a lot of people are looking for information on. Now, for everyone out there, if you don't know, Tim Blakely is an active law enforcement officer in North Carolina with over two decades of experience in firearms and tactical training. Now, he's worked for the Dallas Police Department in Texas as a chief of police in a drug and gang-infested community in North Carolina and as a police advisor in the Helmland province of, of Afghanistan. Now, he later founded Police Tech, a company that provides personal protection training to law-abiding civilians, police officers, and military operators. His articles have appeared in both civilian and law enforcement publications, and he's also the author of the book Shooting to Survive, How to Fight with a Pistol. Now, for more information on Tim and his training, make sure that you visit him online at his website at www.policetech.com. Now, Tim, in your book, Shooting to Survive, you talk about alternative firing positions, and there are some do's and don'ts that you identify for various scenarios that you may end up in. So what I wanted to do with this interview was really talk about what some of those different positions are and ask you about why that position is important in order to train for that and then some of your best tips on what really works. So my goal here is to really kind of give people insights into, you know, why would they even think about training from that position? What would put them there? But then also give them some tips about how to train for it and, and really kind of live or die type things that could either hurt them from that position or help them engage a threat. So so let's start with kneeling. So what engagement scenarios would most likely put somebody in a kneeling position against their will? And what are the most important factors in proper target engagement from a kneeling stance?
2: Well, one of the things you have to look at is the cover that you're conforming to. Uh, Typically, uh, with a vehicle, uh, you can go to a kneeling position and use the vehicle better from a kneeling position than you can standing, uh, especially the the engine compartment of the vehicle, and that's the uh, preferred uh, position to fight from. Uh, Obviously, rounds can skip across a, a roof if you're standing there above, Standing there behind it, skip into you. So the kneeling position is better. Uh, backing off uh, from the hood there, as the rounds that they skip and they go over your your head.
0: So from so so one thing is that you can when you're looking for cover, um, you're obviously going to look for something. You're not going to be typically standing up behind something unless it's the edge of a building. It's going to be something you're going to want to get down and create a lower profile for anyway.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like I said, you're, what you're trying to do is conform your body. Know, to the cover. Uh-huh. And one of the other things you have to understand too is uh I use the term operator in my book and some people have misconstrued that to think, oh well he's talking about like tier one operators, whether it's you know, Delta SEALs, uh SAS, whoever. Mm-hmm. And I explained to another the term operator is just simply a person that's operating a machine, such as you're an op- you're an operator when you drive a vehicle. So I'll use the term operator. So the operator operates the handgun, you have to take consideration how they're dressed. Uh Obviously a SWAT officer in full gear is not going to be, uh, have the mobility that a person would if they're carrying concealed. I understand most of your audience is, is that person is carrying concealed. So they have a lot more flexibility, uh, in being able to assume a kneeling position that say a SWAT officer would, uh, the difference between a one, uh, one knee down versus two knee down, a double kneeling position versus mm-hmm. a single.
0: Yeah. Now, what about movement from that position, though? I mean, obviously, if you're on both feet, you can quickly get behind other cover or you can move better. I mean, you're obviously a little bit more, well, probably a lot more challenged from that. So when you're trying to look around you or engage threats and, and trying to keep your, um you know, your movement, do you have to shuffle your, do you recommend shuffling your body around or how do you, and you're down in that position, the best way to kind of be, you know, get, kind of get that, that um that wider exposure to your target area to make sure that you're not, you know, attacked from other sides or something like that.
2: Well, uh, fortunately, mother nature takes care of quite a bit of that for us. Uh, that we're binocular creatures, and we uh, just by nature face our threats. Mm-hmm. And uh, what has been found through research and actual field experience, and I've also experienced this myself, is that when you get locked onto a threat, until that threat. Dem- is diminished and you're in control of the situation, you're going to stay visually locked on it. So even from a kneeling position like that, uh, you'll still want to square up the front of your body. It's just a natural tendency to do it. However, in a kneeling position, uh, transversing from the waist, uh, you can basically take 180 degrees uh, of movement there uh, from side to side doing that.
0: So kind of like um, like the, the turret on a tank is what you're saying?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's an excellent
0: example. So basically, you know, don't – if you try and – and probably if you try and shuffle around in that position, especially if you're near other objects or in your your environment, you could end up going from a kneeling position down onto the ground mistakenly. So to not try and shuffle around as much but basically use the way Mother Nature is teaching you to use your – kind of your whole body as like a turret and then be able to go at 180 degrees left and right to be able to, you know – Keep your body stable, provide that stable platform for shooting, but engage, you know, be able to scan and engage targets using your upper body. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. And also there is a, a movement of switching positions 180 degrees when you're in the kneeling. If you have one knee down, uh, you simply turn, uh, the, the knee gets grounded, you raise it, the knee gets up, you ground it, and you rotate 180 degrees. Uh. And then you can quickly uh, turn 180 degrees behind yourself, and now you've got a 180-degree uh, field of view yeah. behind you.
0: That's a, that's a great thing to train for. Um, I mean, obviously, at the range, they don't like you to to go from facing down range to right behind you, but that is something that you can practice even at home. Like, I know, like, even in my, you know, I take Krav Maga, I have a, a great instructor, and so we, you know, we practice a lot of getting off the ground, and there's a very specific way of doing it, and so this seems like something that you somebody could really train at home as well just with airsoft or even their fingers just being able to get used to going from kneeling in one location and then doing a quick 180 by switching which leg you're kneeling down on that's a that's a great i think a at home drill that somebody should probably practice for this that's cool
2: yeah and even on the range shift uh what you can do is uh facing off, you know, away from the firing line kneel kneeling you can leave your firearm in the holster mm-hmm. and simply rotate quickly uh, 180 degrees, then come out and draw and punch right out into your target mm. and fire and it gives you, and then you can, you know, holster your sidearm back up. Uh, from that position, you can rotate back and you can, you can practice that. Yeah. And you can practice, you know, with your left knee down, your right knee down.
0: Yeah. Good point. Good point. So. As a soldier, one of the first positions that we train for is to go prone, which is, you know, like flat on your stomach. And the purpose of that, obviously, on the battlefield is so that you minimize your own exposure as a target to the enemy. But then you also have a more stable firing position from there with, with your rifle. But that's on a battlefield and, and your enemy might be a few hundred meters away from you versus a typical gunfight with like a concealed weapon where, with an arm, you know, where you might be battling an armed criminal. That could be in much more closer quarters, obviously. So, why would someone want to train for firing from a prone position? And what tactics can you offer that would help somebody do that the right way?
2: Uh, obviously, again, if you're if you're not to the ground, uh, that's the position that you're in. You slip and fall, uh, and uh, I've, I've had that. You know, both instances happen to me in law enforcement. Uh, you don't necessarily uh, once you're there. You can take control of the situation even if you're on the ground. And a prone position, it, it does obviously lower your silhouette by approximately one sixth. If you're a six foot, you know, person, now you're, you know, 12 inches off the ground. One of the drawbacks obviously is if you're laying on concrete or pavement, you got the ricochet effect. If someone starts shooting in front of your rounds, you, rounds have a tendency to skip sit six to eight inches off the ground. Uh, and there are cases where law enforcement officers have been killed, uh, when they Took a prone position and uh, got a ricochet from the ground and and killed that way. However, uh, the, the being flat on the ground like that again, it does lower your silhouette. And if you're conform again conforming to your cover, such as a you're in a city and there's a drain there, and you know when the grates go in, that's typically the highest part of it there. Well, that may be all, all that you have and you know sucking up to that pavement if you will mm. it, it may be your absolute best venue
0: yeah yeah that might be the only cover that you actually have it, exactly yeah and again you're conforming your body to it right right so what about even like under uh what about shooting under a vehicle is that something i mean i always see it in the movies right like the the bad guy is creeping around the other side of the vehicle, and, you know, the smart guy looks underneath and shoots the guy in the foot. Obviously, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, is it ever better to shoot? Is it always better to shoot above the vehicle? Is it ever good to use, go under the vehicle as cover or from a prone position? Or what's your take on that?
2: I don't know. uh, Obviously, if you need to shoot underneath the vehicle, typically what will happen there is that you're going to what's called a rollover prone, Uh, it's where you're, you're rolled over on your side. You're not laying flat on your stomach. Uh, laying flat on your stomach with the military, you know, as you well know, is you have your breathing rhythm. And, uh, on that respiratory pause, you're laying there in a prone position. You're breaking a nice clean shot. Uh, using a handgun in a gunfight, completely different circumstances, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, breathing very erratic. Uh, you're having to take the shot as the target presents itself. And so when you're, a vehicle like that, and you're shooting underneath it. Yeah, you can, and this was used with the, remember the L.A. Uh, P.D. when I got with the uh, two bank robbers that was uh, wearing Kevlar. I remember the SWAT officer, he dropped down underneath the car and, you know, shot that way. So, uh, shooting behind a wheel, uh, it's what I call a reverse rollover prone. is that your feet are actually against the wheel, and then you're rolled out to the side, and you're shooting just outside of the uh, tire area there, If yeah. you've got your whole body behind that, that steel wheel and shooting that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other that thing that comes to your body exposure.
0: Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind with maybe where being in a prone position can be beneficial is kind of that reverse position. You know, we talk about this with kneeling, but if you're, if you're on your back and suddenly, and you're engaging in front of you, which I'm going to be asking you about, about shooting from your back, but um, you're shooting, you're shooting on your back. In front of you to go behind you is kind of you know you don't necessarily want to shoot upside down by just flipping your head back and looking upside down that's a little bit harder to even like find the target and and identify it as a target but you can quickly flip over on your stomach and then all of a sudden now you're in a prone position you're facing exactly 180 degrees away from you and you can see what's behind you and that's a quick little flip over so I can see where it might come in handy to be able to, you know, after you've engaged a threat or if you're being attacked from behind, you can, you know, you can scan quickly behind you to see if there is anything back there and then go back to your back if you need to.
2: Yeah, sure. And one of the other things about uh if you're, and again, if you're on your stomach and you're shooting, in, you know, forward directly in front of you, obviously you can bring your feet in. So if you had, a, you know, a piece of cover that was 15 inches wide mm-hmm. and you're shooting from around it, then you want to... Literally the only thing you want that bad guy to see is your eye and the muzzle of your firearm, uh, to where it's just outside of the cover and then you would keep your body in line, you know, keep, bring your feet in. That's the case where you would actually bring your feet in together. And I stress that, I, you know, I, I, when I'm on the range, I tell people, look at what you're shooting behind and try to conform your body to that mm-hmm. to where you minimize your exposure. Hopefully the only thing the bad guy is going to see is nothing but a muzzle and an eyeball and hopefully we won't see the highball very long.
1: Yeah, right, right.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, listen, everybody, we've been talking with Tim Blakely of Policetech.com about surviving the, from worst-case scenario shooting positions. And we have a lot more sticky situations that we need to cover, including how to shoot from your back without blowing your feet off, and the best tactics for firing from a seated position, whether at a restaurant or in your vehicle or another scenario like that. And finally, how to train for these scenarios to master your off-position gunfighting Fast and without getting kicked off the gun range. But first, check out this special message.
1: What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family's safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show
0: okay we're back with tim Blakely of policetech.com talking about cutting-edge ways to train and fight for worst case scenario firing positions when you're armed and engaging an attacker. We have a lot more to get to. So let's go ahead and jump right back in our interview now. Now, Tim, probably one of the positions considered the least when it comes to combat shooting is where you're flat on your back in a supine or, or sit-up position. And I think maybe it's because a lot of firearms trainees, they don't really like to think of themselves as ever getting into such a disadvantage position. Or maybe it's because from a training perspective, your legs are right in the potential path of a bullet in that position. So why is the supine shooting critical to train for, and what are those best tips to engage a threat effectively and safely so you don't blow your feet off in a real gunfight?
2: Sure. One of the things you have to look at in the soup line, you go, well, how did I get there? Well, you can look at some of the videos online, uh, especially law enforcement shooting. When you start getting an officer moving backwards, uh, you'll, they'll get their, their buttocks over their feet and then they end up on the ground. Is how, uh, it happens, uh, sometimes. The elephant, obviously, is when you're attacked, uh, you're dragged to the ground, uh, and you end up on your
0: back. Or and, even tripping, I suppose. Like a lot of people, like, do, like, to back up, like you say, and, you know, once you hit a curb or something like that, if it's in a parking lot, it could be a parking, one of the parking curbs or whatever, the, you know, those cement things where the parking spaces are. You can't see behind you and you get that tunnel vision going, right?
2: Right, exactly. And you start moving backwards, yeah. and that's one of the things that, uh, that's quite frankly, Jeff's one of my little, uh, pet peeves here is that you'll see instructors they want to train how to shoot to move, or they want to shoot on the move. So they'll have them, you know, walking backwards, walking forwards, that kind of thing. Well, the walking backwards thing, if I took some, you know, four by four blocks and threw them on the range, and the instructor would think I had lost my mind. That now I got these people, you know, tripping over these blocks. and I try to tell them, okay, well that's that's real world maybe not such a good tactic. They're more shooting to move. I know we're not discussing that specifically, but I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, the supine position, you're, you're ending up on your back. Obviously, you have to look at, you know, you're shooting at an upward trajectory now. So, you know, if you're in New York City, uh, obviously, you know, some type of urban environment like that, and you start, you know, firing off rounds from your back, you have to be cognizant of, you know, where those rounds are going to go. Uh, you, you, that's where you, Definitely want to make sure. You know, obviously in all cases, you, you really want to put the rounds in the suspect or into the uh, adversary mm-hmm. that uh, that you're you're fighting there. But uh, it's even more cognizant there of, of being on your back, realizing that hey, I'm, I can start sending rounds, you know, airborne now uh, in a vertical position. Uh, and uh, one of the other things that you look at is that when you're your grappling technique. Uh, if you're on your back and you're actually grappling on the individual, it may be a contact shot. Mm-hmm. And if you shove the semi-automatic into them, it doesn't fire. You've got to break it back off on them slightly and then pull the trigger, uh, again and you should be, you know, fine at that point. Uh, firearm should discharge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody is, uh, if you're, if it's not a contact shot and somebody is, let's say you got knocked down, um, Or you were you were shooting, you went backwards and they took that as an opportunity and they're coming towards you and they are, say, 20, 25 feet away. Are there any accuracy or, um, you know, tips or anything like that? Because it's a very unstable thing. You basically have your um, while your body is stable on the ground, your arms are going to be kind of, you know, very they can be very wobbly at that point. Is there anything to help stabilize yourself so you are getting um, a more direct shot?
2: Yeah, exactly. And the two position, there's basically two trains of thought. One is you bring your knees up and then you fire between your knees. The other train of thought is, is that you leave your knees down, uh, and you're, you're shooting, uh, with your knees down. So the knees up obviously is that, well, I'm taking a chance of, uh, shooting myself. I'm limiting my, uh, traversing even on the ground, uh, that shooting between the knees like that. Yeah, I can quickly move. However, you still uh, have that disadvantage of, now I'm having to move my knees to make the shot whether the knees are already on the ground that you don't have to. The uh, dominant eye obviously draws that line of sight from whatever you're looking at, you know, from your eye to what you're looking at, but again, you're just bringing the sight into that line of sight and breaking the shot. You can obviously, if you're on your back, roll your shoulders forward just like you would normally do shooting. Uh, you can Bring your head up to where you get that dominant eye on that target, and then you're just bringing the handgun directly up into that line of sight, and you're breaking the shots uh, as you need to.
0: Yeah, those are probably a good, uh, you know, for people to really see what works best for them. You know, is to is to try both positions and see what feels natural for you. Somebody might even have lim- you know, limited mobility. I know we have a, for example, we have a lot of um, a lot of older. I'll use I'll be. Put the emphasis on the err on that. We have a lot of older people that listen to us and, and and this thing. And so they might have mobility issues where, you know, doing like a sit-up type position or even getting their shoulders off the ground might be difficult. But bringing your legs up and maybe even, you know, using your knees as almost like the tripod, you know, um, of being able to keep them out of the way but use them to help steady a shot might even be um advantageous because for older people, you might not be able to get off the ground very easily. You know, if you get a walker or a cane or something like that, you might be on your back and that might be where you're engaging from. So, interesting. Well, yeah, yeah and you're absolutely
2: right. One of the other things is, is is that if you're initially attacked and the person's on you, uh, and you said you did Carl McGough, mm-hmm. one of the things you may end up having to do is go into a fetal position momentarily, get your elbows up in front of your face just to the of blows. uh kind of shrimp out. Uh, where you can get your handgun and then, uh, it's kind of a simultaneous, uh, defense and counter attack all at, all at once.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good point. Well, let's talk about probably the most likely alternative firing position that someone's going to have to prepare for, and that's sitting down. And when I think of shooting while sitting down, I think of like the gamblers sitting around a table, right? I mean, that's, I think that's even why the shoulder holster was developed, was really to make it easier to draw a gun when you're in a seated position. But most people aren't carrying around, you know, unless you're, uh, I guess, the old detectives that can do that and you're wearing your sport coat around. Um, but a lot of people are just mostly wearing like a waistband or, or even around their ankle or something. But are there any other scenarios to to train for shooting while seated besides a, a poker game gone wild? And uh, and from the seated position, what are the best te- techniques to engage an attacker from this position?
2: Yeah, there was, uh, obviously, from inside of a vehicle, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had to uh, draw my handgun from the seated uh, position in my vehicle, uh, simply because a guy literally came out of the bushes and was quickly on my vehicle. Uh, I was parked side of a state trooper, and he and I were sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, we got this guy, you know, moving us at a, moving at us in a fast pace and I had to draw from the city position. One of the things that people, if they do not do is take an, and I stress this, an unloaded firearm, put it in just the way you wear it and sit in your vehicle with a seatbelt on and see if you can actually get to it. One of the little tricks is concealed carry, you wear that outer garment. Well, sit down in your car, take the outer garment and do just that with it. Put it on the outside of your seatbelt. So if you need to, you can reach back and you can access that firearm. If you are caught in traffic, uh, and I tell people, you know, look, here's a little driving tip. Uh, be able to see the bottom of the tires for the vehicle in front of you so that you need a way out. Hopefully, you can get your way out instead of having to put it in reverse back up. So that saves you some time. If you can get off the X, if somebody's trying to uh, attack you, carjack you, that you can drive out of it. That's that's your number one choice. But if you're hung there in traffic uh and you, there's no moving, then you have to, you know, defend yourself. It may not be that you're shooting, but simply accessing the firearm and, and coming up and bringing it to the window where that attacker's at. Uh, if they're standing there with a knife and you can't move, well now they're looking at the muzzle of a gun, uh through the glass of a vehicle. And I have trained and I've shot through glass uh when that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh it, it's not that difficult to do. Uh obviously when the muzzle goes near the glass then it, it blows the part of out the muzzle and the glass uh it goes with it as opposed to keeping it uh further back off the windshield. It's a preferred way but it, you know like you said in a gunfight, things don't always go the way you want. So you need to uh you know train you know, shoot both of them. Uh
1: mm-hmm. glass guns they'll
2: give you windshields that uh you can actually shoot through. Uh, to them you are self-defense purpose while I'm give you glass hmm.
1: yeah
2: one of the other things I, I do want to point out here when you're when you're drawing and this is one of the things from a seated position is that uh, you'll see people draw and then they'll want to what I call scooping they'll want to drop the muzzle down and then they'll come up and that's one of the reasons that the way I train and I train people is that when you draw you come up and you're bringing the handgun up and rotating is about chest height that way, if you get caught in that seated position, whether you're in a vehicle, you're in a restaurant, and there's a booth there, uh, something happens, and you have to fire from that seated position. You have no choice. Then you're actually bringing the handgun up above the, the tabletop or above the door uh, of the vehicle and rotating it 90 degrees where the muzzle's now pointing at the threat, and then you're just punching it straight out. Mm-hmm. Well, I call it grip, grab, and extend. is the way I teach the draw. Uh, very simplistic way of doing it. From a seated position, it works really, really well.
0: Yeah, from scoop, scooping it might get caught in the seatbelt and stuff anyway, right? I mean, when you're, you're, you got all kinds of, uh, limited mobility range and, and steering wheel and everything there.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the other one is what I, what I call lobbing. And that's, you know, when they come out and they draw them in the muzzle at an angle and then they lob it down from the target. Uh, in both cases, uh, you're not pointing the muzzle in an appropriate direction, which would be at the, uh, the
0: threat that is yeah.
2: trying to either, you know, disfigure you or take your life.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, these are all great techniques and, and, and in order to help us train for alternative firing positions, let's talk about how do we actually put these in? I mean, problem with a lot of these, you know, training for these types of scenarios is that a lot of gun range owners, would probably have a heart attack, and they would probably throw you off the range if they saw you training from different alternative firing positions. They're always thinking safety. And so what are the best ways to integrate these techniques into my training regimen so that I can master them and be able to f- at least familiarize myself with them in in my training?
2: Sure. There's a couple of ways you can do it. Uh, you can use uh, air salt. Uh, you can use a CO2 Uh, BB pistol, uh, that's, you know, closely resembles, and there's a lot of companies now. Uh, they're out there that you can buy these, uh, CO2 BB pistols. And, uh, a lot of them have the same feel and weight, uh, as, as your carry gun. So that's a good way to train.
0: Yeah. So air, you know, airsoft is, um, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan of airsoft. I, um, I always make sure that I've got basically the, the gas blowback version of whatever I, I have. Whatever I own so I can use that. And I was at the shot show this year and I got to tell you, there were so many booths now where um, companies are just coming out with, they're, they're coming out with real, realistic um, airsoft versions of carbine rifles and pretty much everything you can think of. Because I think maybe even from a budgetary um, point, it's cheaper, uh, even though these, I mean, these things are really expensive. I mean, the AR-15, like airsoft guns that some of these companies are coming out with are the same price as a regular AR-15. But, you know, to be able to train with that tactically and be able to, um, you know, save money on, on ammunition as well, obviously, um, I think everybody's kind of coming on board with, you know, it's really not necessarily about the, the firearm that you have, but it's what you do with it when you have to do something with it. And airsoft really gives you an advantage of being able to train. In, in your home or in your car or anything and, and do it safely. Yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. Uh, one of the other things about an uh one of the really neat features is, obviously, you want to wear eye protection, uh, wraparound eye protection. Uh, you don't want to lose a, you, know, you don't want to get blinded, you know, doing uh, training like that. But the scenario-based training, you can use aerosol, airsoft, basically dress like you normally would, whether mm-hmm. it's a T-shirt, shorts, that kind of thing and you still get a bit of a pain penalty. Uh, that that motivates people. It, it's kind of funny how you can take a person, and once you start the scenario, their heart rate goes up, their breathing goes up, they actually start getting an adrenaline rush, and it's just nothing but scenario training. Uh, one of the things that people uh, can do, uh, take your house, for instance, with an aerosol. You know, if you're seated there on the couch, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have your wife just bust in the door like a bad guy. It's like, okay, now what would you do? And you reverse it. You have her sitting there, and she's watching TV or cooking dinner. And, you know, you come through the door very quickly. You know, what would she do? Uh, you can do the same thing in a vehicle. You go out in your yard, uh, you, can, you know, roll your window down, as you know, because you're not shooting through glass at that point, obviously. And just bounce off. I did that with my son. And, and it's very effective training. Uh, I, one time specifically, my youngest son shot me in the face. Uh, I'll tell you how he did it. Uh, I, I brought him out of the car like I normally would.
0: like a step-by-step action plan, but I think we can piece it together What you have. So one thing is, you know, know, because you've talked about this a lot with conforming to your environment. And so you don't have a lot of environment at a typical, especially like an indoor linear range. So where you have the best environment is in the place where you might be getting into a gunfight anyway, which is in your home, it's in your car, it's in your bedroom, it's in your living room or wherever. And so the best way to do that is something preferably realistic, such as an airsoft gun, even if you don't put it with BBs, and I mean, you, there's a way that you can actually hook it up so that with a gas blowback, you're getting kind of the, the little bit of kickback, but you're not going to, you know, smash Aunt Bessie's vase in the corner of your house with a with a plastic pellet. You can at least get some, some feel of it. And the thing about that is that you can get a replica of your weapon that feels like your weapon, as opposed to like a blue gun or something like that, which is good, but it's not going to be as realistic a feel. And then you can go through all of these all of these different alternative um firing positions that Tim has been talking about. So, you know, you can start in your living room and have your wife or a training partner or somebody come busting through the door and then see how quickly you can get from your lazy boy to in a seated position, getting to your weapon and find out what that's like. Um, you can go out to your vehicle and get inside the vehicle, strap in and pretend you're at a red light and then see what it, it takes to get to your gun and, and work on not, Scooping it up and getting caught up inside of the seatbelt, but getting that, you know, bring it up and extend out. You can do this from a prone position in your, in your, in your back, um you know, from, from your back or like you got knocked down, start from a seated, start from a standing position and then fall backwards, preferably on, on something maybe start off with some cushioning because it, I don't care how many times you try and practice that, it's always hard to fall on your back, but, and then going from there over onto your stomach and so that you get 180 degrees, you quickly get look behind you and then engage a target there. And and practice the kneeling position, going from one knee to the other and getting 180 degrees, getting behind your vehicle to be able to see what it's like to shoot from it, um, from a distance away from your vehicle to avoid ricochet. So there's all these different things that you can do in the comfort of your own home and in your own yard with a realistic weapon. That doesn't have to be, you know, you could do dry fire, but I, I really like, um, the airsoft version. So there's a lot you can do. I mean, that sounds like you could do a whole at home training drill, drill just with these alternative firing positions that I think a lot of people just don't, don't do. Good oh yeah, stuff.
2: absolutely. Uh, I did a, I, I did a two week anti-terror combat course in Israel, uh, when I was, uh, in Afghanistan, tra- uh, traveled to Israel and did it. Uh, one of the things that we did there, you would literally go into a uh, squatting position and a person would just, and, and, it, and it progressed would violently. Uh, that would progress to a point that would violently take your shoulders and just rip you backwards and, and then you would have to react to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you can do training yourself is just go into a double, you know, squ- just go into a squatting position and just fall back on your butt and as you well know, you want to keep your head forward and your chin down to keep your head from slap, slamming against the uh, deck. So you you can do that and practice this from a kneeling position or a squatting position like that, falling back and drawing and shooting that way. Uh, you can you can do that.
0: Yeah, great stuff. Tim, this is uh, really, really um, good stuff here. And, and everybody, listen, if you want to go and, and really see some more in-depth uh, tips on this and some, some tutorial photos and things like that, Tim's book is like, it, it, it's as big as the Bible. The thing is freaking huge, and it covers a lot of, a lot of different. It's it's built about reality. It's it's built about how to survive with a pistol. So um, definitely go check that out. It's called Shooting to Survive: How to Fight with a Pistol. And you can go and check out Tim's training and his book and and everything else he's got going on over at his website at www.policetech.com. Tim, thanks so much for uh, for being with us today. I appreciate it, man.
2: Uh, Jeff, I greatly appreciate it. And listen, buddy, I appreciate everything that you do in your organization, in your training. Uh, it's just outstanding. Awesome. Thank you very
0: much. I appreciate the feedback. Thanks a lot. Okay, listen, everybody, until our next Modern Combat Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now.